Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Broadly, you can say that we have a couple of companies focusing on building technical platforms for other fintechs to build their solution on. And then you have some that are more focused on building consumer products and features for consumers. And then you have companies like, like Sinter that, that are more merchant focusing. How can we provide value to our merchants today with use cases and problems that they're facing right now? And for us, that's been really successful. That was Johan Strand, the CEO of Zimpler, and he is my special guest on this episode, episode 231 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Johan is either all in or all out. When he's all in, it's all about fintech. And when he's all out, he retreats to his own private island where he is consumed by nothing but nature. Zimpler is a fintech scale-up doing payments in the account-to-account space. They ride the wave of open banking and open finance and cater to various different segments, including online gaming, financial services, lending, and investments. Their offering enables Zimpler customers to both pay and get paid, while at the same time verifying who they're getting the money from and who they're paying the money to. They started out in Sweden, but have now established a strong presence across Europe and are on their way to South America and beyond. Johan and I go on to talk about his journey to the role of CEO, including where he sees the industry going in the next two to three years as it relates to consolidations, partnerships, and the anticipation of a 2035 goal for a completely cashless Nordic ecosystem. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Johan. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. If you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Yeah, sure, sure. So I live in Sweden. I grew up in uh, Uppsala. It's a small city, like one hour north of Stockholm, the capital of Sweden. And I actually grew up outside of Uppsala, which was a small village where 500 people living there. It was a very quiet surroundings out in the countryside. I think we're a typical Swedish family style. We had a school where you went your first three years in school in the small village, then started traveling into the closest city. Yeah, so that's my background. I, I grew up with two parents, both engineers. Myself, I was always somewhere in between. I was super interested in finance and economy, but I was I also had a knack for engineering and, and math and physics. I thought it was fun. So I was a little bit in between. And when time came to go, go to high school and college, I guess I ended up <laughs> somewhere in between as well. I got a degree in industrial management and engineering, which I guess is a combination of, of, of finance and engineering. I followed the financial markets on the economy side and then uh, went into to computer and software engineering on the engineering side. So been a little bit in between the worlds of finance and computer science, I guess, for a number of years. And uh, yeah, now I'm here working at the fintech. So I guess I'm, I'm still still stuck there in between still those there. two worlds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, we'll go into your professional career in a minute, but let's spend some time talking about the company Zimpler. So can you tell the audience what you do? Yeah, sure. So Zimpler is a fintech scale-up doing payments in the account-to-account space. So basically, 
riding the wave of open banking and open finance. So looking back a couple of years, I joined Simpler in 2016. My background is so I got out of, of college and I went into management consultancy. And I did what you do as a management consultant. I did PowerPoint presentations for a number of years. <laughs> And I thought I would try my hands on kind of executing on some of those strategies that I put on paper. And I met Christopher, one of the founders of Simpler, and they had a, a wallet solution. So they had a invoice and card solution. This was in 2016. And in 2018, the European payment markets got a new legislation. So something called PSD2. It's, it's Payment Service Directive 2 that basically forced the banks to open up. So open up their APIs for companies like Simpler to either do payments or account information, etc. So that's the space around open banking in Europe where we're at. So we're doing payments, we're doing payouts, we're adding a little bit of data where we do ID solutions and KYC information coupled with the payments. So basically, in a seamless flow, you can both pay or get paid and verify who you're getting the money from or who you're sending the money to. Okay, and you're doing this for both B2C and B2B. Yeah, exactly. So we launched this product in 2019. And from start, we're B2C focused or B2C. I mean, we're selling B2B, but we're focused on merchants that had a B2C business. And then last year, we developed our own B2B solution as well, since we see that's being a very underserved segment at the moment. So we think that's a very interesting space. So today we do both B2C and B2B. Okay. Are there specific verticals that you focus on? Yeah, we actually started in in the online gaming space or gambling space, which is very, it's a very interesting space which with high demands. It's a highly regulated area, which means that our customers need to understand who they're doing business with. Hence, we developed this KYC product. And it turns out that that feature, those features were very suitable for the financial service sector as well. Regardless, if you're going to put in your money into a investment platform to buy stocks or whatever, or if you are a lending company that need to pay out a loan, you need to understand who you're paying to. You need to be able to verify that and you want to do a instant payment. And we facilitate this through the banking rails that we built around in uh, both Europe and now recently we also went into Latin America with Brazil and Peru as the first two countries. Okay, so beyond gaming, are there other verticals? Yes, as I mentioned, financial services is one of our biggest or fastest growing segment at the moment. So that's both lending, it's uh, credits when it comes to B2B space, it's investment platforms, uh, those kind of, of solutions. So when we say that we're a payment company. I, for myself, I see account to account, not only what you traditionally think about payments, but transactions. So where can we simplify transactions? And I think we just launched one of our biggest campaigns right now is on the B2B cross-border payment flow. So that's from facilitating supplier payments cross-border or doing instant payouts in the gig, uh, gig industry. I mean, most number of companies that get started today is actually a one-person company. So uh, one person that is just freelancing through their own consultancy. And those individuals tend to travel around quite a bit. So being able to facilitate those kind of flows instantly and seamlessly, regardless where you are in the world, has proven to be 
a really strong product for us. Okay. And currently you're doing business just in Europe, right? We just went live in March. We had our first transaction live in Brazil, which we think is super interesting. And we're also building, we're live with our first beta customer in Peru. So Latin is a strong focus for us now in 2023. Okay, okay. And how do you go to market? Do you have a direct sales team on staff? Do you work through partnership channels or a little bit of both? Yeah, so a little bit of both. So we have, we started, I mean, account to count is still very new. If you look, you know, the new legislation in Europe came in, in place in 2018 we see all these companies coming into the space. I think it's very interesting what's happening right now. I think in Europe, we have 492 companies that have a license to do what we do. Not everyone has the same kind of product suite or same kind of focus, obviously, but that actually has the license and are trying out different angles and different places in the ecosystem. You know, broadly, you can say that you have you know, a couple of companies focusing on building technical platforms for other fintechs to build their solution on. And then you have some that are more focused on building consumer products and features for consumers. And then you have companies like, like Sinter that, that are more merchant focusing. How can we provide value to our merchants today with use cases and problems that they're facing right now. And for us, that's been really successful. I mean, it's a, it's a shorter time to revenue, basically, being able to provide value today rather than building you know, a platform for the future or invest very heavily in the consumer brand. And for us to be able to go to market and really understand what are these problems and how can we solve them, partnering with customers has been extremely important for us. And hence, we wanted to develop a direct sales go-to-market approach. So that's how we started in, in most of the segments that we're at today. So really working closely with merchants to understand their needs and their pay point and see how we can innovate together to solve those problems. And then as we ramp up those segments or those solutions, we go through partner channels as well. Okay, okay. What would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And I think to answer that question, first you need to define your competitors, right? So I mentioned that we have 492 companies in Europe with the license to do what we do. I don't necessarily view them as competitors. I more see them as frenemies today because we're all trying to build the market for account-to-account payments, right? So I think if Simpler would have been the only company in Europe focusing on account-to-account payments, we would probably have been growing a lot slower because we would need to be out there and convincing everyone that this is the best thing since sliced bread. Now we've got 492 companies that are championing this together with us, marketing account to account or open banking or bank payments or whatever you want to call it to capture a bigger audience. So the biggest competitors that we see is the card rails and maybe also the banks in a way. Since we're doing bank transactions, we also tend to want to partner with banks. But still, if you look in Europe today, it's very weird that they... For a beep to be transaction, if I want to pay, if I sit in Sweden and want to pay a supplier in Spain, it's going to take me three to five days to get that payment through. And I'm just moving, you know, a number from one database to another. That's weird in 2023 that that's still the case. So if we can do the transaction in one minute, the cash 
flow that we can help realize for our merchants. It's, it's pretty significant. So that's uh, very interesting. So the card companies and um, <laughs> I think incumbent banks are still the biggest competitors that we see or that we'll look on when we see where do we want to capture volume and markets. And then in each of these specific cases, obviously we will compete head to head with some of the other players in the open banking space. And then it's very much, you know, depending on segments. Okay, how do we compete and what difference, what sets us apart giving the, the use case? But when we look at market and market opportunity, we look at where doesn't the card rails or bank rails work today? Where do we see that there's a big improvement to make stuff more efficient? And that's where we will. For example, we just last year we launched our paylink product. So our paylink product is basically allowing our merchants to put a link in the invoices they sent out and allowing their end users to pay seamlessly through that link instead of getting the invoice, go to your bank, register a payment, etc., etc. And we could show in that product that we improved cash flow with 30% for our merchants. And our typical merchant for the paying product is uh, SMEs doing around 3 million USD per month in revenue. So if we can improve their cash flow with 30%, that's tangible money that they will have every single day in their bank account instead to either invest in growth or you know, pay their stuff, etc. So and we see these opportunities all over. So I think that's that's one of our biggest biggest problem right now, selecting to not run on, on all the problems that we see because there are still so many problems left to solve, but really focusing on where we can make a difference. Okay. And where do you see the industry headed, say in the next two to three, maybe up to even five years? Where do you see things changing? What are the what are the trends going on that are going to affect your business? Yeah, I think I mean obviously right now the market is changing a bit, especially I mean, simply you might say now that we have gone from startup to being a scale-up. I mean, now we're a little bit more than 200 people in the company and we're you know, transacting in, in more than 10 markets in two continents. So we're on the way to get to some kind of size. But looking at the fintechs, especially in Europe, there are still a lot of companies that haven't really reached product market fit and, and really reached that point where they have tangible revenue. So I think... In, at least where we play over the next couple of years, we will see consolidation. Uh, also see a lot of companies that have really good ideas, but maybe it's not the right time to execute on the ideas, guard of business. So that's something that we'll see in the next couple of years. I also think to be more efficient in this market environment, we will see more partnerships both between fintechs and incumbents like banks, but also with large uh, corporations to on, on the R&D side to see how can we co-develop and find new solutions. I think if you look a little bit further ahead, I always uh, tend to say that the product that we have today, we couldn't have built it five years ago. We really couldn't. And the speed of innovation just go faster and faster. So we would be naive to think that the product that we have today will be the product that will be in five years from now. So for us, that means that we constantly need to innovate and be at the forefront. And that means you know, working super tight with our customers to understand what needs will they have in two years, in five years, etc. I was, I think Sweden is probably one of the countries in the world that are closest to being a cashless society. But we still got you know, quite a way to go. 
I had this speech at the Nordic FinTech event a couple of months ago and with payment professionals. And we had this timeline going from today up till 2040 and people could stand up when they believe that the society would be cashless. And the consensus in the room seemed to be 2035. So then we're 13 years or 12 years out. So that's when we should be cashless in the Nordic. And I think on other parts of the world, we still got some way to go. Then I think there's a lot of things that should happen over the next 10 years. This is maybe you know, killing our own business, but I think transactions should be free or at least be at the cost of data. It just shouldn't cost that much money to do a transaction that does today. Instead, companies like Simpler and other payment companies need to innovate and fi- find other ways. So I think the PayLink is such a good example. So should a merchant to Simpler that buys the PayLink product pay for a transaction or should they pay for 30% improvement in cash flow? I would say the later. I mean, the transaction in itself, doing that, that's not the thing. You need to find the user flows and the experience to make stuff seamless and frictionless. And then you can provide a value. And that value is very rarely in the transaction itself. It's in the part surrounding the transaction. So the next 10 years, it's going to be very interesting to see how Internet of Things, how voice controlling, biometric and AI will have an impact on on payments. I mean, say, when your refrigerator starts scanning to see if you have milk at home and they say, no, you're out of milk, I'm going to place an order for you to get milk delivered in 15 minutes. Who will power that payment? Those things for me are super interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And it's it's interesting to your point about the cost of a transaction. I mean, obviously, in the US, we're pretty dominated by the card brands who charge the interchange fees and Recently in Canada, they lowered interchange fees, but in the U.S., they seem to always go up. And what is the real value in just the transaction versus your point of what's the value beyond just the moving of the money and what is that worth? And so I think that's a very interesting, interesting thing to contemplate. I just, I don't know how the entrenched people like card brands get out of the equation if they ever could. But anyway, it's an interesting thing to think about. And, and I totally agree with your perspective on it. Yeah, no, but I think, I mean, that's one of the benefits, I guess, for a player like Simper doing building stuff from the beginning. I guess in a card transaction, you have all these actors taking part of the value chain and everyone needs to get paid. So you have, you know, you're issuing bank, you're requiring bank, you got payment gateways, you get the visa schemes, etc., And everyone wants their part of the transaction. In a account-to-account setting, you have the bank where the end user or the business have their bank accounts, and you get us. And that's what you have. And we move numbers from one database to another database that should be more or less free if we succeed with what we want to do. Right, right. Okay, well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So you mentioned your college and what you focused on at the university, and now you're the CEO there. So maybe fill in the gap of your kind of career journey between then and now. Yeah, sure. So as I mentioned, I went into management consultancy, and I <laughs> first I covered most of the things that you can cover, I think. <laughs> I started in pricing strategy and marketing strategy. And then I went into working capital management to how optimize cash flow, etc. I think that's why I'm, I'm very passionate about payments. And then the last years I, I covered the CFO agenda. I figured that I wanted to do something else. And I met Christopher, the founder of Simpler. And this was 2016 and fintech was really booming in Sweden and Stockholm. You had Klarna just 
you know, starting to become a really global powerhouse and buy now pay later. And you have a number of companies coming out from Sweden in the tech startup system. So I was really fascinated about that. And they were 12 people at the moment when I joined Simper. And I figured that, you know, it's a 90% probability that they will be bankrupt in two years because that's just the stats for any startup. But hopefully I would learn something. But now here, seven years later, I'm still here and I'm the CEO. So what happened was I joined as the CFO and we were growing very nicely with the product that we had then. I was part of analyzing the bank payment space and looking into open bank payment and, and putting the strategy in, in us and pivoting our product towards that that space. And after we launched that, we had tremendous growth. So the first year with that product, I think we experienced 1000% growth in, in transaction volumes. And after that, the founders felt that they would contribute better to the company, stepping down and be more focused on operations. And so I was asked by the board and, and the founders to take the role as the CEO, which I did uh, now two years ago. I think when I accepted the role, we were 35 people. When I formally entered to the role, we were 50 people and now we're 200, 220 people in the company. So it's been uh, been quite eventful to two years. That's a lot of growth. Yeah, it's been fun for sure. And a lot of learning along the way. Good, good. So what are some things you're passionate about? So maybe one work-related passion and one personal passion. I think just in general, both, I guess, is learning. I've always been curious about everything. And hence, I think the fintech industry is such a good place to be because there, there's always something new to learn, uh, you know, regardless if it's in the product space, you know, what can we do and what can we build and how does it actually work to the regulatory space that's, you know, is rapidly changing around us. So it's so much information to process and take in such a huge space. So I think the opportunities to learn is just endless and that really triggers me. I think on the personal side, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I used to say that I'm quite binary. It's either one or zero for me. So either I'm really fully committed and all in on something or I just need to totally step out. So 10 years ago, me and my wife, we bought an island far up north in Sweden. It's almost on the polar circle. So it's in the archipelago up north where there's no electricity and there's no you know, running water. And it's just a perfect place to go and feel close to nature and totally unwind. And yes, when you can't charge your phone, you get very <laughs> restrictive <laughs> of, of what you do and how much time you, you spend on your screen. So you're very present. And another benefit is when you say, tell your colleagues that you're going to go to an island with no electricity and no water. They think that you are totally off grid. So they just stop calling you, <laughs> which is very good. Right. <laughs> Even if it's fully possible to actually work from there, I, I try not to do that. But that's something that I'm passionate about, spending time with my family and especially being outdoors and, and closer to nature to kind of really mix the two worlds between being in, in cutting edge tech or just totally back to nature. Gotcha. So just curious, how do you get to the island? Is it a boat or a plane? How do you get there? Yeah, first it's a plane up north and then it's a boat out to the island. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't met too many people that own an island, so that's kind of cool. Oh, it's a nice thing, and especially when you go up north in Sweden in the summertime, you get uh, you know twenty four hours of the sunlight. So it's a pretty it's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, sounds like a great way to unwind, like you said. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's important as well, you know, in this startup life that you need to find these spaces and the moments to kind of 
regroup, to get perspective on things and to fuel energy. And then, then you're ready to go again. Absolutely. So one final question, and I always like to get people's perspective on this and get their advice. And you mentioned about fintech. So fintech hasn't been around too long, but I think at least in the States, we're starting to see colleges actually teach courses about fintech. And I think kids coming out of college or school or thinking, I can build a career in payments or fintech, whatever you want to call it. They see it as a, you know, a hot industry, an interesting industry, a lot of technology, a lot of investment. So if someone comes to you, say they're right out of school, and maybe it's even an employee comes into to your company and says, hey, I want to build a career in payments. Can you give me some advice on what I should do to be successful? What would you tell them? Yeah, I actually had this question from an employee at our winter party. And I think for me, it's a couple of things. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously going back to my own passion about learning, you should just try to learn as much as possible. Uh, most of the time, <laughs> I didn't tell this to my employee, but you should probably change jobs, to be honest. If you're not going to out and starting your own business, I think changing jobs early in your career, if you feel like there's, you know, if there's no way to move internally quick, I think learn as much as possible. And when we feel you have learned what you're doing, move. I think I changed job four, four times the first six years in my career. I think that was great for the learning curve. And then challenge things. Always ask the questions like, why does it have to work like this? What can be done to make stuff easier? In the payments industry, there's tons of material. And if you just want to study or you're eager to learn, you can spend a lifetime reading. So just do that if you have time. But otherwise, make sure to get your hands in the mix and learn as much as possible, ask for feedback, challenge the ordinary, and try to change jobs early in your career. If it can be with the same company, that's great, but make sure that you don't sit on one chair for the first five years. I think that would be my advice. Okay. No, I think that's great. Well, we've covered a lot of ground about the company, about the industry, about you and your journey a little bit. So is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, it's been great coming on the show and having the conversation. I think talking about payments and fintechs is something that I can do all day. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time's very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 